I love Wild Game. Obviously, why you're gonna need a night. bandsaw. Oh yeah, to break those femurs down. Oh dude, I've been <laughs> but looking. You into... could make the most amazing like deer bone broth. Oh I know, venison is so good. I'm just but, ready. I'm okay ready for some venison ribs. Hot 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 tip though, when you're doing that with those bone broths with those mm-hmm. big bones, hard boil them in just water first. Yeah. Then clean them. Yep. Otherwise, you're gonna get this scum that's mm-hmm. horrible. We made that mistake with our first like pork pork buns because we mm. we were just using poultry, which doesn't do that. Yeah, pork, red meats they they get this scummy stuff. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We and we just kind of skimmed it off. Yeah, but our next batch will be proper mm-hmm. and hard boil them, and then are we recording? <laughs> You're going to take the goose's neck, hold it out straight. This isn't a cooking pot. And you're going to run the knife across it. Now be prepared. There's going to be a lot of blood. blood. A lot. What is that from? <laughs> when Dwight's trying to oh, explain how to butcher a yeah, goose the office. to Michael. Gosh. Okay, I'm not a fan of the office. I like, I, what? I'm a, I'm don't, a, I'm, don't. I'm okay with the office. It's not my favorite. Okay. My okay. favorite is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, I have not seen a single episode. Oh my gosh! Do, do you like Andy Samberg? Yes. Watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'll give it a go. Peraltiago is the best thing. Whatever that is, I'll find out. It's Jake Peralta and Amy Santiago. Oh, I'll figure it. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give it a look. See, a watchy. Do it. I'll give it a watchy. Thank you. All right. More whiskey. Lafrog Ten. Lafrog. Lafrog. Which. It's Isla whiskey, so it tastes like it sounds, mm-hmm. and which is delicious. Just a heads up, we love this whiskey. We do, you know. And it's Isla, I, I will say, if you're new to whiskey, if you're new to Isla, the tasting notes we're giving, you're not going to find at first, and you're probably not going to view them as pleasant necessarily. There, there is pleasant things, Th- but there are with like, Lafroig, there is this wall of peat. You got to get through it. So I'm going to throw this thing out. Lafroig is proud of how it tastes and proud of their bad reviews, mm-hmm. which is the funniest thing. They make this whole deal of like, hey, honest opinions, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have these gems such as it tastes like French kissing a manatee <laughs> or it tastes like a seagull's armpit. My father-in-law described it as drinking... <laughs> A bleached sock. Yeah, I was like, okay, I kind of see that. So you know, it's intense, smoky, musty, maritime flavors. But you learn how to taste. Like it's, it's, it's like a learn. Like drinking Lafroig is a learning process. Yes, it, any really heavily peated whiskey is going to be this learning process of understanding that heavy phenolic peat note. And yeah. coming to terms with it. And I'll say, if you want to develop your palate rapidly, this will do that. If you're yes. drinking this kind of whiskey on a consistent basis, it will make every other whiskey that you drink so easy to taste and so easy to find what's in it. Yeah. Like, this is a great way to work your palate to death to yeah. where you can really start it's, tasting. I mean, if you do that, that is the, you know, just trial by fire route. Or you can mm-hmm. ease yourself into peat. Or, yeah. or you can I, I personally recommend easing yourself into peat. Because if you go too hard, like there, there's kind of two camps of people. The people, if you just throw peat at them, 
They're just like, nope, uh-uh. And then the people who are like, oh, I didn't know I needed this. Yeah, you, you either <laughs> love it at first. It's either love at first sight or not. And I, I was one of those like, I didn't know I needed this. Yeah, same. I fell in love with it. Well, my first Scottish whiskey was Lagavulin 16. Yeah. Somehow that was the case. And it was immediate love. And Lafroy doesn't play. Peat smoke is the first thing that you smell. And it's that really lovely seaweed and iodine peat of the peat bog that they use, which is, I've got the name of it, actually, Glenmachry. Glenmachry. Which is just north. It's actually a very large peat bog, but the majority of what their, their cutting fields are just north of the distillery by the Kilbride Stream. That's actually where my little plot is. So Lafourig is this really fun customer service thing where within every whenever you buy Lafroig, one Lafroig comes in a tube because Lafroig is classy. And inside that tube is a little booklet. And in that booklet is a special code. And you go to their website and you make an account and you put that code into the account and you are now the proud owner of one square foot of the Glen Mockery peat bog. And if you ever go to the distillery, you can go and put on your size 12 welly, wellies and your overcoat and go out and plant your flag's country of origin and collect your rent. Because now Lafroig rents that land from you. And that rent is whenever you go, you're entitled to a dram. I did not know that. Yep. Dadgummit. I threw away my little booklet in my tin. I can keep that, dude. Well, I still have the tin, but I did throw away the booklet. You didn't look inside? Turds. Maybe it is in the tin. Maybe I didn't throw it No, away. it's in the booklet. No, like maybe the booklet's still in the tin. Oh, yeah, you should look. I need to. If not, I have the one we got from the lore. I'll give it to you. That can be my birthday present. Yeah, I can. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Dang it, I wanted, the, I wanted the FOL points. It's fine. I know. It's fine. Wow, this is good whiskey. I just I stopped smelling. I started drinking it. I have a. It's okay. We we've drank we've. How many times have each of us drank this whiskey? A, a gazillion. I, I polished off a bottle myself. Yeah, same. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh. Back when I started, but man, okay, this is a. I've got a lot of notes on this one because this was one I went back to a lot, and it's complex. And I think I'm gonna, like. Gosh, it's it's peat smoke and it's iodine. And. I'm just going to throw this out there. This is probably going to have somewhat of a biased review because for me, at least because it's so many of my first memories of Scotch whiskey. I love it. And the nose is probably one of my favorite parts. Oh yeah. Well one, because with, with all that heavy peat and iodine, there's just leather, like old saddle leather, dude, wet fall leaves in the forest. Oh. Petrichor. Oh. I love finding oh. there there's this what we're both describing is this musty leathery thing that exists within uh Scottish whiskey. And it's that that hint of peat that's going to be in pretty much all Scottish whiskey even if it's not like peated. But it's also cuz it's all barley. And you're usually talking, you know, the majority of your Scottish whiskey is going to be around 10 years old. Even though we're getting a lot of really amazing no-age statements coming out. It almost makes me cry when I smell it. I'm not... People are probably thinking I sound like a fool. I'm not kidding. It makes me emotional. Yeah. 
And there's <clears throat> this to get those past initial, you know, peat smoke leather. There's this not baking spice, winter spice of Yeesh. like cardamom and clove. Really intense, like almost like you were almost like you bit into the spice itself. Yes. Like crunched it between your teeth. Oh, it's mm. cardamom and clove. Mm. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yes. And once you get that on the tongue, it's immediately the smoke changes. Mm-hmm. And it goes from that plasticky phenol to wood smoke. Like a f- sweet, almost like a yeah. uh, like a barbecue wood smoke. Like it, it really is. Sweet it, honestly, smoke. it's like wood smoke and barbecue. Yeah, absolutely. Specifically... Like if you got some really well smoked Texas style brisket, yep, yeah, and it's the you you got the burn ends. Yes, you've got that good crust on it. Mm. Bark, bark. That's what? what they call it in the industry. Really? Yep. Brisket bark. Any any like smoked barbecue that like outside kind of caramelized yeah, blackened. It's a bark. Bark. Can you just buy bark? No, they should do that. Well, then you'd take away. Then from you, that then whole you wouldn't brisket. have it in, you know, your sandwich or in your barbecue That's plate. True. Maybe I just need to start and making my I'm... own briskets. I have been, I've been talking, trying to talk myself into buying some briskets to experiment with. It's a little bit of an investment, though. It, it, briskets an investment, and so is the equipment to smoke it. Yeah, like I couldn't just do it on my grill. No. Well, that'd be a whole can of propane, man. Oh, uh, not a gas grill. You need yeah, to you need smoke charcoal. barbecue. You you need not just charcoal wood charcoal right which is expensive it is unless you make it yourself unless you make it yourself which is just which isn't hard to do it's just such a long it's process time. it is very time consuming and, and then if it doesn't turn out oh. yeah and you're talking a time consuming <laughs> process before starting the other time consuming process of making brisket yeah 12 hours and then at the end of that what if it's bad mm-hmm <laughs> I do have access to the Franklin's Barbecue Masterclass. Go take it. Maybe I need to do that. Just do it. I if do. You, if you've got access to it. Yeah. My mom got like a year membership. She was like, do you want access to this? I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Thank you, mom. Okay. Back to the whiskey. As intense as this whiskey is, the body is pretty light. Oh, it's light. It's effervescent. It's clean. Yeah, it's like fresh. There is this, after that smoke and you get used to it, settles, it's like honey. Mm -hmm. It's like honey, Mm a little bit of lemon. I think that's why I enjoy eating with this whiskey is because it's not taking over whatever I'm eating with it. Yes. It's light enough to where I can still enjoy like a good barbecue but also taste my whiskey and taste that together it's really good together it's well balanced it's not 
too light. It's not, I wouldn't even say it's heavy, so I wouldn't say it's too heavy. It's just right there in the middle. Yep. Just a nice little. There's a little bit of ash. Mm-hmm. But like characterized ash. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, not. Not, um, it's. Johnny Walker I, Red. I want to say like burnt rather than carbonized. Yeah. That's the ash characteristic to me. I'm going to add a little bit of water. That's going to change this a lot. Three drops. Because good things come in threes. Sure. Three's a big number in my life, man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that as well, so we're tasting the same thing. So, we're adding water to whiskey, and some of you might not be super familiar with whiskey or tasting whiskey or even if you're familiar with whiskey, not familiar with like critically tasting. I did three. Um, so adding water to a oily or higher proof whiskey is going to change it quite radically. What it does immediately is it breaks some of those oils that are in suspension in solution out and brings them to the surface so that first sip while you think oh i've diluted it it's going to be less intense the first nose in that first sip are going to be a lot more intense actually because you brought those oils to the surface and larry is having a full cheerleader here it's so good every time it's so good every time every time i do this with this whiskey it's so good it brings Mm. that malty musty kind of barn note it it accentuates that sweet wood yes. smoke a thousand times more it's like it's like sweet mm. malt yeah it's uh, it's almost like i just added sugar like just yeah mm. it's just, mm, i love it which of course we're starting at what 58.6 is it that high yeah wow i didn't know that Lafroig's not stingy, man. No, but it doesn't taste that Lafroig way. Lafroig gives. Lafroig gives. They give you. I've never had a... Have you had their cask strength? No. I have not. I haven't been lucky enough to find it. I went into the liquor store the other... A uh, few months ago mm-hmm. with the idea I was going to buy the Carajas cask strength. Mm-hmm. And it was gone. So I bought Ardbeg Drum. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I bought another Ardbeg. <laughs> Parkway Wine and Spirits over here by my house always has the whole lineup of Lafroig. I should just pick it up someday. Mm. That gum. That's just... This, honestly, the water to me brings, like, red fruit. Almost mm-hmm. like pomegranate and oh, strawberries. Yeah. Which is actually... It just transforms like a new, it. A new note to me. It definitely transforms it a lot. It's very, like... Almost like fruit compote. Mm. And but you still get that light peat smoke. Like yeah, oh, uh, it's always there. That's the thing with the Freud. It it never. You don't forget. You don't. You don't forget you're drinking Lafroig. Lafroig doesn't let you forget you're drinking Lafroig. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, I do like the body on this, even though I'm usually searching for that really heavy, oily. This is light it's effervescent it's palate cleansing mm-hmm. almost 
Oh, so, so, so good. Oh, my. I, if, if, if I had to pick one budget-friendly whiskey that I could drink for the rest of my life, it might be Lafrog 10. It might be. It might be. I mean, it'd really be a difficult fight versus some compass box, though. Yeah. Yeah. What's your experience with Compass Box? I've never had any Compass oh, Box. Oh, so. you need to get some. Right. I haven't seen any around right. recently. They have some at Total Wine. Oh, in Knoxville do right now. Yeah, oh, I remember when we looked it up last yeah. time in Knoxville. Yeah. They have it. Of course they do. So Compass Box is an independent uh, finisher and bottler, and they excel at blending whiskeys. And my first peated whiskey was actually their artist's um, Great King Street, <laughs> which was a peated. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. I was like, this is amazing. It's rich and it's smoky and it's weird, but I love it. And then I bought Lafroy Quarter Cask, mm-hmm. which was like, take the woodiness of Lafroy and like punch it up by three. Mm-hmm. It's so woody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the wood. That's the thing. Like the other expressions, I've had like the triple wood. Um, I think I have had the Quarter Cask as well. And I still don't think they stand up to the 10. They're just, I think they're different. They're They're different. I prefer the 10 to them. I love the punch of the 10. Like, it's just like. Well, the 10 is a balance where Mm -hmm. the the triple wood and the quarter cask, they amplify something. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the quarter cask amplifies not only the woodiness, but the peat and salinity characters. Yes. Where the triple wood, I mean, it just boosts that woody, that that wood. In the in the sweetness of the triple wood, it's like yes, too it's, much for me. It's very sweet. It takes away from the true so complexity of Lafroy. The, like, the ten to me is this like iconic Lafroy. It's so balanced. It's really they nailed this. You say the word Lafroy, and this is what I think of, kind of thing. There's no reason to change anything about no. it. No reason now. I've had that dark, deep, and mystic 21-year-old Lafroig, and there's something magical that happens to Lafroig when it hits that around 20-year point where it's had enough time to soften some of those edges. It's like taking a brash teenager who you really like, that's like a good kid. And then you watch that kid grow up to be James Bond. Mm. <laughs> Who's just this like svelte lady killer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What? Oh my gosh. This room warm. <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the element of surprise on my side. Boy. Yes, you do. <laughs> Unexpected. Cool. It finishes well. Yeah. Like it leaves you with just this hint of smoke. It is staying with me. Mm-hmm. It long finish. Very. It's long, but it's not uh, intrusive. No. It makes you, it's long enough to enjoy, but you want to jump right back in. Yeah. I would say it's an enticing finish. Yes. Because it's enticing you to come back. Yeah. It's kind of that like riding away into the sunset and it's like 
you're the hero and you know you can't look back what you want to. Right. So like you're riding into the sunset and then all of a sudden like you get to it, but then you're allowed to press reverse 10 seconds and you go and then you come back and ride into the sunset as many times as you want to until it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, how it feels. That's just. Ooh, I went back and tasted it again. A little bit of Werther's Coffee Caramel, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite candies. Those are just. They're good. I mean, yeah, they're grandma candy, but we all know I'm an old man. Hey. Dude, I <laughs> love Werther's. I used to keep a bag of Werther's in my car all the time. Mm, man, this is, this is going to, I know it's going to score high. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a... I've been like pushing myself to be fair with this, but it's so good. The thing is, though, it's like, this is just what I want. Yeah, yeah, I know. And like, this is the subjective score sheet. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I want out of a whiskey. <laughs> right. It It really is. It, it just hits all those marks. Let's see here. Oh gosh, this is yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be hard to beat. That's the thing. This is gonna get to the point where we're just there's gonna be some power creep here. <laughs> you got that right. Oh man. Ooh. Oi. This is this is high for me. This is very high for me. Like. I'm gonna look back. Is it higher than? It is. What's your total? Seventeen point five. Boy, I'm just happy. You real high? I. This is, this is three quarters of a point higher than Brooklyn Classic Lottie. I was gonna say, I got fifteen point seven five. Okay. So, let's talk about this. I know. I'm curious now. Let's. So see I gave it a four point five on the nose because. The nose of Lafroy just makes me happy. I could live. Honestly, I I could be happy with Lafroy Ten, not even drinking it, just smelling it. Right. It the smell makes me think of the ideal place that I would plant my secluded cabin that I want to yeah. die in. Yes. <laughs> like, I like I've made it known like I failed in life if I die in Tennessee. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't want to die here. Oh my goodness! All I all my friends live here. I've lived here my whole life, mm-hmm. but I don't want to die here. I get it. <laughs> Ideally, I want to die in Scotland. I don't care if it's on a vacation. I just want to die in the mountains. Yeah, mountains. Just I mean, as long as I'm in the mountains. Like, honestly, I don't think it. I don't think I could think of a better view to see on my last day than the Scottish Highlands. Oh, yeah. I don't. I can't think of something. I can't think of anything better. Yeah, that's morbid. But you know what? Death plans are important. Hey, it is important. And I haven't seen the Scottish Highlands yet, so I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. They'll change your like. life. I know they will. You I gotta go soon. Like the thing is, it's one of those places you will go, and you'll spend the rest of your life wanting to go back. Ah, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm gonna go. Audrey and I have go. like we have been just. Like a couple times a week, we'll just be like, we want to go back. Yep. It's, I I can't, I don't have words. And you know, I'm a man with a lot of words. <laughs> I don't have enough words mm. to describe those hills. And yeah, I don't care how many like Irish pubs or Scottish pubs you go to that have the screens that play like the, like the demo reel from National Geographic. Right. Those, they're like 
a Chinese knockoff of Scotland. <laughs> what did you say you got? 17.5? point 17.5. 16.625. 16.625. What was our rating on Classic Lottie? Uh, I believe 16.75. Yes. 16.75 was our combined score. Close. Very close. Close. I feel like that's accurate. It is. That's spot on. Very accurate. Okay. Let's break down why. Yeah. So we already did nose. um, You do do taste, and and I'll go. Taste, I gave it a four. It's just, it has the evolving, sorry, it has the evolving complexity that I want. So I keep going back and keep getting different things, but I can also, even though I'm getting different things, I can still reference the things I've already tasted. Mm-hmm. So it has layers, it's complexity. I can, I can spend 45 minutes with this and just keeps maturing and growing. Yeah. It gives so much. Yeah. Well, so far we're thinking the same. So we're, we're knowing where we, where we split apart here. What'd you give it for body? Um, yeah. Well, for taste, I gave it a four. Okay. And it was, uh, so I can see here. Yeah, I just put like intense spice and um, barbecue smoke. Yeah. It's just really good. Um, for body, I gave it a 3.5. Okay. Um, I love the freshness and the lightness of it, but I love heavy bodied scotch. Yeah. Uh, for this, this is almost an exception for me. Where I angle for the oily, dense bodies, mm-hmm. but this that lightness just it just pairs so well mm. with the rest of it. I honestly, it would be worse off if it had a really heavy, dense body. That you know what? That's a great point. It would it would totally rock the ship if it yeah. went too far in that direction. 100%. Because you already have so much dent, like dense, compacted flavors going on in the taste of it. Mm-hmm. If you, if you pair that with this heavy, dense, creamy, buttery body, yeah, it, it would be too much. I think something that I might try with this in the future that might be, make me appreciate the body style that it does have even more is if I paired it with like some really good oysters or something. Yeah. I think that would give me an appreciation for the lightness of the body a lot. Yes. Actually, that's the thing. Smoky, briny whiskeys with oysters. Oh. It's a thing. Oh. That's like a thing that Talisker pushes. That's what Lagavulin pushes. Yeah, they're like yeah. All of their advertisements whiskey with oysters. Sixteen with a bucket of oysters. Yeah, always makes me hungry. Is it pairing it with oysters or putting it on the oysters? With oysters. See, Talisker's like no. Take a couple drops of our whiskey, put it on the oyster, and then eat it. No way. Yep, I want to try it. Yeah, we need to try. I've really never had like this urge to like eat an oyster, Mm -hmm. dude. Have you ever had oysters? I've had fried oysters. Oh, you got fresh oysters. If you like briny whiskey, oh, I do. You okay? It, it's on my list of things to try. We but. need to graze in Franklin. Has awesome okay. fresh oysters. We gotta go to graze and get some oysters. I'm really picky about seafood. No, their their oysters are good. Trust okay. me. I grew up on the coast. Cool. I only like the best of the best seafood. Do they have Talisker? They they must. Will they let me bring my own whiskey? And if they don't, flask. Hey. What? <laughs> Planning how to infiltrate Gray's so we can put whiskey on oysters. Illegal. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. So I think this is where we take a big turn. Finish. Mm -hmm. What'd you put down? 
<laughs> What'd you write? Can On the read? finish, I gave it a 3.75. Yeah, that's what we changed. I gave it a 5. Daggum! I think that's the first 5 that we've given anything. Uh, No, I gave, Buddha Colada for me had two 5s. <laughs> oh, well, um, I probably did too then. <laughs> it's honestly, it's just so perfect. It's just long enough. It leaves just enough of residual flavor. Mm-hmm. And one that's enticing and isn't, but it's not in the way and it's not one that I, it's pleasant and it's yeah. reminiscent of what I just had. And it's like, you know, another sip, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's not that I don't like it. I, the, the smoke that's on the finish and like the brine. Mm hmm. I wish it stretched out just a little bit longer for yeah. me, just so it finished out a little bit slower. Because sometimes it feels like it's such a hard finish, but it's really good. I would just, I think it'd be interesting if it went a little, just bit a little bit longer, longer. No, like rounded out just a hair more, so it wasn't such a gotcha. sharp drop off. Yeah, back into it, but it is good. But I think maybe when you're talking about that deep dark and mystic, yeah, yeah, that's oh, that rounding off mad. on the end, yeah. From that age, that's like... That'll give you what you want. That's what yeah. you're wanting. So... I mean, this comes up to a 16.6 combined. That is that's that is above 15. Solid. That's the only other whiskey that's come above 15 exactly. so far and from Classical Addy. Above 15, if you're rolling a skill check, that is very difficult. You're probably just going to succeed on whatever you do. Yeah. I'm going to give a little tidbit. You asked me some questions. We don't have a ton of time. Mm-hmm. But I want to get into this one. Which is medicine. And we talked about it before, but it's kind of fun. So at the time when, so Lafroig as a business, as a distillery, was branching out past Scotland in the 1920s. And they had already taken Scandinavia by storm. Mm. And this peaty thunderstorm that was Lafroig was conquering the world. There's this <laughs> issue when he got to the States called prohibition we as a country had decided that alcohol was immoral and we can't drink it but we're all gonna hide that we do and go to speakeasies because we're just a bunch of alcohol so terrible um so terrible so the 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 head of lafroig at the time was ian hunter son of william hunter who was the owner of lafroig before him The story goes that after a couple of wee drums with the excise and imports officers <laughs> and pointing out over those like, uh, you know, with the this iodine and seaweed smell, it's like that that points to the medicinal properties of freak. <laughs> you could this this is medicine, you know, you, you could prescribe this for the ailments oh and you get sick. And during prohibition, he convinced the US government that you can write prescriptions for Lafroig. For what ails you? No, the U.S. government tasted Lafroig, and they were like, why did we do this again? Yeah. <laughs> why did we outlaw this again? Yeah. I was like, well, we can find a way to sell it, we right? Can, we can have this. This is okay. Yeah. Other other thing that I find incredibly interesting was Lafroig, when it was originally bought in 1810. Now, you'll notice on the bottle it says 1815. Hmm. 1810, Lafroig was purchased... By Donald and Alexander Johnston in 1810 for use as a cattle farm. 
Interesting. And the thing was, you have to go f- grow feed grain. And that was barley. What do you do with extra grain? You make whiskey. You distill whiskey. At least in Scotland, you distill whiskey. Boom. And word got around over those five years that, hey, yeah, you know, the the whiskey down at Lafrig is it's very nice. <laughs> and Alexander and Donald kind of like, yeah, I looked into it and realized it was more profitable to make whiskey than have cattle. There you go. And Lafroig was officially founded in 1815. Boom. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Check that out. Well, because, I mean, that was what you did. I mean, distilling wasn't this when it started. The, you know, the age-old roots of distilling wasn't business venture. Mm. It was... Necessity, almost. Well, I mean, it was either, well, we do something with this or it goes to waste. Yeah, it goes bad. We can either make a product out of this that doesn't go bad at all, or we can just let it rot. Well, I mean, all... All cultures, like in the States, it's it was more beer making originally before we, we had a lot of immigrants yeah, from I Ireland mean, to Scotland who knew yeah. how to distill. Yeah. It was beer Yeah, that they, you know, if you had excess grain, you'd make beer of it. But beer mm-hmm. goes bad. Yep. And bad beer is real bad. Yeah. Alcohols and alcoholic spirits don't. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, you get the thing is that's the bonus of distilled spirits. And that's where really the art of distillation came in Mm. was with wine and transportation of wine was because it, and really for the Greek and Roman empires, they loved wine. Oh yeah. And they loved wine from the regions they conquered. Mm -hmm. But you know, blood of the enemy, the, as a Roman emperor sitting on my marble throne with my little golden tiara, (laughs) I, I want that wine Ooh. from Spain, but it's so far away. Golden tiara. And if if I were to have it shipped to me as wine, it would spoil and be terrible. Right. So what do we do? They distill it. And they concentrate it. Brandy. Brandy yeah. and port. And port. Oh, yeah. Port. Portable. <laughs> At least I think. You don't like port? No, I've never really had port. <gasps> I want to try it. Oh, dude. It's on my list of things to try. Port with a good cheese plate. Mm, yeah mm-hmm. we're doing but that but port was uh, these distilled concentrated spirits were they didn't spoil it was also cheaper well you could take a lot this large volume and condense it down mm-hmm. you can sell it for more yeah it was more profitable and it stayed stayed good stayed good and you can transport it across a desert across anything yep and then once it got to the place, what they would do is water it down to the strength of a wine. Right. And the thing was, uh, I should have pulled the quote. It was one of the poet, great poets that was like, the young men and women, they're hooligans, and they get drunk off of the undiluted wine. Because <laughs> teenagers, you know, they're like, ah, yeah. screw diluting it. We're just going to yeah. drink it. Yep. Because, I mean, the Greeks and Romans, they were hedonists. They didn't care. <laughs> Yeah, they were crazy. <laughs> they were nuts. <laughs> Psychos. Um, I was actually walking, watching a video today. Um, it was uh, this guy on YouTube, uh, Eating History. Really cool channel. Hmm. He does a lot of... All, his whole channel is digging up recipes from history and then making them. 
Oh, that's cool. And he's done some really cool Greek and Roman ones. I was watching one today about something called Kikion. <laughs> which was, it's it's mentioned in both the Iliad and the Odyssey mm. as this mystic potion. And it has connections to the gods um, Dionysus and Demeter. <laughs> um, and these heroes could drink it and be restored. And Kikion was this mix of wine, barley, honey, and goat's cheese. Whoa, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's say, barley flour and wine. That is bizarre. So it's thick. Yeah, uh, it was described as somewhere between a food and a drink. Okay, <laughs> it's it's not something I want to try, but it's there. Yeah. Oh man. But anyways, we've been waxing poetic about Lefroig, and it is only fitting that. The subject we're talking about for role-playing games tonight is bards. Bards. The jack-of-all-trades, master of all of them? Maybe. 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 Depends on what college you go to, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bards are great. I. You've actually never played a game with a bard in it, No. I would probably actually be a really good bard. So, um, yeah, bards are a very social class. They're... Yeah. If, if you're, like, describing classes by what they accomplish mechanically, mm. they're a utility class. Yeah, they're so theatrical, too. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of play to a bard. So most people think, oh, bard, they, they sing songs, right? I mean, the quintessential bard that everyone thinks of nowadays is Scanlan Shorthalt mm-hmm. of Critical Role fame. Because so many people have gotten into D&D nowadays because of Critical Role. Yeah. And I think, like, when I think of bard now, I think of them as... They're such a team player because what they do, I feel like one of their biggest things that they do is they either influence the team to their benefit or they can also influence your opponent in yes. a big way. And that is such a great tool. Yeah. Especially in social situations. Like oh, they're if you're, incredible in social. Like if your party is invited to some royal dinner and you're a bard and you offer to play some music, but you would, you're going to play some mystical tune that, you know, can turn the heads of certain people, whatever. Like, well, it's, uh, it's very cool. The bard that I play in Nick's campaign where we're playing through Curse of Strahd, um, actually one of his class abilities is that if people listen to me play, listen and watch me play for a minute, they have to make a wisdom save or they're charmed. There you go. And it's like bards are, that's a thing though. So everyone thinks, oh, bards, music. No. A bard is a collector and teller of stories. They are a keeper Mm -hmm. of the oral history in a time where history wasn't always written down. They're historians. Yes. Yep. And, well, yes, they would sing for entertainment, but they would also perpetuate the stories and legends Mm -hmm. that were the history. Yeah, and history was, even if you... um, like when you're playing through, I bring Skyrim up a lot. It has a lot of. I mean, Skyrim is essentially Dungeons and Dragons as a video game. Yeah, but whenever you hear like the bards, like in the taverns, and like they're very like music focused in Skyrim, but all of the songs have like oblivion history intertwined yes. into them. And if you really listen closely, a lot of it ties into the game in a really amazing way. Yeah, and it's like that was their duty. Like almost yeah. they gave themselves like carrying on the history through song and writing and poetry and or and there's a lot of really cool colleges, which are your subclasses for bards. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
like the college, um, the college of blades, college of swords, college of swords, yeah. um, where you could be a sword juggling scald, mm-hmm. where <laughs> your entertainment is throwing bladed weapons around and flourishing them in fancy footwork, or college of whispers, mm-hmm. which is what um, Tell is, where you sow the seeds of insurrection. And tell the secrets that are done in the dark. Um, College of Valor are mm-hmm. the brave battle bards on the front line. Bagpipers, really. Yep. Um, I mean, bagpipers in Scottish armies, they went out with them and played the bagpipes. Hey, and Moral support, man. Moral support. They're also guys who got shot first because a lot of people think bagpipes are annoying. <laughs> I think they're great. They're, ama- they're one of the most amazing instruments. I think they're, they're amazing. They're, they inspire they are not an instrument for the indoors. No. That's the only problem. Not at all. People keep like thinking that you play instruments inside. No, you play the bagpipes on a hill, and then everyone in a 20-mile radius can hear you, and it's great. It's amazing. Um, What other subclasses for Bard are there? <laughs> uh, There's a lot. I thought I'd written them down once again. It's I fine. Did not. There, I, I, th- I want to say there's like 8 to 10. If you, if you take like unearth arcana into it at this point i think so all all unique that all play a specific role and is a very is a different flavor on how story and entertainment is because mm-hmm. that's the thing you are it's it's your really your choice whether you want to play an entertainer or a storyteller or a mixture of both mm-hmm. um like tell He's not much of an entertainer. Right. He's more of a storyteller. He's a very sad character. Right. Um because of his backstory where he So there's six colleges. My six bad. colleges. Six. Gotcha. I don't know why I thought it was eight to ten, but it's That's six. wizards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There wizards you have too many subclasses. So many. <laughs> it's overwhelming building a wizard. It's a lot, yeah. But yeah. So there's six. And I I guess I can read them off just so everyone kind of yeah. knows what we're talking here. So you have the college of creation and this bards believe the multiverse was given existence through word and sound. Oh yeah. Esoteric harmonies that continue to resound through existence. The song of creation, the bards of this college draw on this ancient power through performances of dance, music or song to bring into being what they need most. Oh, so you're kind of like a summoner. Yeah, kind of like a conjure, conjuration. Yeah, conjuration. Conjuration magic. Oh, that's cool. And then there's the College of Glamour. Oh, no, that's what Tell is. Okay. So Glamour, Glamour College is all about disguise. Yeah, the College of Glamour is the home of bards who mastered their craft in the vibrant realm of Feywild or under yeah. the tu- tutelage of someone who dwelled there, tutored by satires, Eladrin and other fae, these bards learn to use their magic to delight and captivate others. That's a satyrs and Eladrin. Satyrs, thanks. <laughs> Can't read. Also, the College of Lore. Bards of the College of Lore know something about most things, collecting bits of knowledge from sources yes. as diverse as scholarly tomes and peasant tales. So the, your lore bards are really going to be more storytelling focused. Mm-hmm. So it's not really going to be song and dance. Yeah. They're they're that roving storyteller that shows up into town once a year, shows up at your camp, and has a story to tell about anything and everything. Um, I'm assuming 
that Sam Regal, Scanlon, Scanlon, is College of Creation. No, I that's Unearthed Arcana. I believe he was a oh. lore, no, he wasn't a lore bard. He was a oh gosh with birth. Let, let me see. Oh, I can look it up. There's websites dedicated birth. to keeping track of critical role stuff. Um, can you find critical role material on D and D Beyond? There's some, but it's not like history of critical role. It's like they have Blood Hunter. Yeah, that's a, that's a Mercer original. That is, and it's crazy. We'll talk about that on a, on a different episode. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Hmm. Uh, Let me see. I'm trying to find it. Lore College. Okay. Well, that's uh, okay. Yeah, that calls back. I was I was thinking like. It wasn't a college of lore bard. That's the same college that Roscoe Toscobble was. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I remember Roscoe Toscobble was kind of a Scanlon short halt reskin in the best <laughs> way. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't play with Nick for no. that first campaign. Mm-mm. Roscoe was incredible. He, Nick did this amazing job of spurring the party along. Yeah. And pulling people in. Because there's this fresh group of people who, I mean, we either kind of knew each other or didn't know each other. I didn't really know any of these people very well. Mm-hmm. So I was just like coming in as like this semi-authority figure. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're playing in this world. So he, I mean, yeah, he got the group into a ton of bad situations. But he was fun that, and entertaining. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what's fun, man. Getting getting yourself into trouble, like really, the worst thing you can do in D anD D is overthink the plan, right? And th- like, what's what's fun? Some people hate it. I love it. I know I probably drive some people crazy with this, though. I love getting my character into trouble to yeah. get them out of it. Yeah, solve that's I mean, so fun. Like, look, there's ways you can put Dungeons and Dragons on your resume sheet. One of them is problem solving. Yes, like seriously though, like it's fun to get into a sticky situation to go. Okay, how creative do I have to be to figure out how to get out of this? Yeah. Like when I, when Felix cast prestidigitation and he made it smell like he farted and made the fart noise at the same time. Oh, wait. Remember that? To no. get out of the grips of the guy. <laughs> oh, that, was that when they got to Hofpalads and he yeah. was, yeah. almost got himself branded as a terrorist? Yeah, he's a, oh. <laughs> I, that was a, that was a lot going on in that session. That was so much. No, I think it was also like his first session with you guys. He saw, I shoot an arrow at them. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't just Town Guard. That was the Drakengard too. Oh yeah. It's like your beefiest characters. Those guys were just designed with the beat down on people. And you guys were just flashing like terror symbols up. <laughs> okay. I will say you guys didn't know at the time that the Quintus Pact were terrorists. Yeah. They are. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I did. Oh, that's right. I told that's you. why I put it on the on the wall to try and cause a distraction. Yeah, but it didn't really work out very well. No, it almost got you arrested. But we got out of it. You did with some you, hot rolls. You, you guys got so lucky that I didn't have to invent a judicial system on the spot because <laughs> I already had like a dwarf judicial system, but that you wouldn't have gone through that. Mm-hmm. You would have gone through the Zuhausian judicial system. Uh huh. 
which is a lot more draconic. It's a lot more intense. Kind of, kind of that eye for an eye, hand for a hand thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that wouldn't have been good. That would have been interesting, though. Oh, uh, yeah, it would have been. Would have been. Yeah. Well. But, honestly, it's it's actually kind of strange, like, playing this game without a bard in it. Because mm-hmm. bards are so so face. Right. Like, when there's a bard in the party, they're usually the face. Right. Because, I mean, they're designed for social situations. I know I keep talking about my character in your campaign dying. If he does, maybe I should write up a bard character sheet, and then I should just start bringing my guitar to every session so I can actually play little <laughs> melodies with all of his little songs. I mean, songs. If, you, if you want to, That'd go for it. That'd be freaking hilarious. I mean, it, you do you. Uh, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a little like XP to level three call out. <laughs> uh, they're great. XP level three is amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't. As I think, I don't want to kill any of your characters, but I know it. And it's. I think the thing about it is that doing that is gonna create movement in the campaign i mean if it happens it is this catalyzing moment for the group where you kind of realize oh there's a bond here that we didn't really realize it's this catalyzing point of we don't want this to happen again yes because it especially this far in Mm -hmm. we're at session 12 13 now are we really i think dang We've had, we have a lot of playtime under our belts now. Yeah. And it's like... Well, I feel like the group is finally... Like, the characters are developing, like, legitimate relationships. Yes. Like, there's legitimate relationship. There's legitimate care. Mm-hmm. And if one of them goes down, it's like... That... And, you, I mean, you guys have put time and effort in these characters. I've put time into them. It'll be painful. And I... Oh, it's... It's very painful. Yeah. It, it hurts. But the thing is... A lot of people want to just gloss over it, but no, like recognize it. Like, yep. Take that moment to like recognize a, a, a life well lived or, you know, if they, if, you know, they encountered this stupid prizes, <laughs> honor the prize that they won. There you go. Yeah, and th- that's one of my things where I look at it and I'm like, yes, there's these mechanics for returning the dead to life in D and D. I think that it's I'm going to save a lot of my thoughts on it for another episode because I've got a lot of thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. But kind of my biggest takeaway thought is I don't really like. Them. I think we touched on this. We did. We did. With I C3, got with yeah. C3PO. I got super mad about it. Yes, I went full <laughs> nerd rage. About the the death and resurrection of C-3PO was one of the worst moments in cinema history. Yeah, it was terrible. It still is, and it always will be, but it yeah. won't beat out the rage that I have for the Aragon films. And whoever directed those and <laughs> the, signed off on You mean on the them, one film? The one, yeah, the one film. They, that didn't, should, even, they didn't even that complete That should have been four. Yeah, they didn't even complete every single one of them. Look, whoever signed off on those, if I ever find you, I'm putting a piece of glass in your shoe. <laughs> not gonna kill you not gonna kill you just gonna make you hurt. inconvenience you as much as your movie inconvenienced me it caused me pain but it didn't kill me and it was really annoying 
and I remember it still. Yeah. If someone meets you and puts a sharp piece of glass in your shoe, it's going to hurt. It's only going to be really a minor annoyance. You won't die. And you're going to remember that. <laughs> Forever. And I want you to remember that. I want you to remember what you've done <laughs> and think about it and be sad for what you forced on the general populace. <laughs> The travesty of a film that you created and then the spin-off board game that was also bad. And I'm going to stop because <laughs> I'm going to get really angry. <laughs> well. It's time to stop. It's time to stop. It's time to stop. Time to be done. Well, Anyways, thank you for listening to yeah, us for another week for in a row. Any of you who are coming back and subscribing, thank you. Those of you who are your yeah. first time here, listen to other episodes. Yeah. We have an Instagram Mm-hmm. Whiskey Dungeon. Yep. Go interact with us there. We post three times a week. No E in whiskey. No E in whiskey. That's we have important. an email, whiskeydungeon at gmail.com. Yep. Send us an email. Send us a... Eventually, we're going to bring back the homebrew hot takes if you want to... Or you have a topic you want us to talk about. Yeah. Feel free to send us an email. Send, send us a in. review. Please. Tell us we're bad. Yep. Exactly. We'll we're, cry a little bit. But we're proud of it. Yeah, we're proud. <laughs> I'm proud. All right. Well. Have a wonderful again. night. Have a good night. Toodles.